executive producer at the Action Network. We're talking tickets and baseball cards, a lot of the collectible market as well as some NFTs. Does he believe in it? And also, of course, got to talk to him about my gambling. But first, Aram, trouble in paradise. I mean, I feel like that's a good way to kind of describe it, right? With the Kershaw situation and the Freddie Freeman situation, we have some news that's been just kind of troubling. Yeah, so the thing is that you saw the picture that went viral, right, of like, Freddie Freeman sitting in the dugout and everybody else is up on the railing. And, you know, I always feel like those pictures can be a little overly indicting, right? Where it's like, okay, you caught him in one second. Maybe he was sitting down to tie his shoe or maybe he would just like had an emotional moment or maybe he was thinking about like, there's so many factors. It's not just, Oh, Freddie Freeman hates the team. And we would never talk about it if we knew that, but no, we would have never talked about it. But then Kershaw had a quote that kind of made us say, okay, maybe we got to talk about this, Peter. And I want to get your reaction to this quote. I know you already read it, but like just what your thoughts were. This is what Kershaw said about Freddie Freeman's return to Atlanta. And of course, this is right around the same time that picture went viral. It was very cool, Kershaw said. He's obviously a big contributor for our team. And I hope we're not the second fiddle. It's a pretty special team over here, too. I think whenever he gets comfortable over here, he'll really enjoy it. It speaks for itself. Isn't that fucking weird? I mean, isn't it just, it's kind of like, Freddie, do you want to be on the Dodgers or do you still want to be in Atlanta? I mean, Freddie just fired his agent with Excel because he didn't like how the process went. This is sketchy. This kind of feels like Freddie still wants to be in Atlanta when he had his homecoming in Atlanta. I mean, the dude is crying. And of course, you can be emotional as an emotional yeah, totally. time. I understand. You basically grew up as a man in Atlanta, but it was pretty emotional. And yeah. there was a lot of curtain calls. And it was, you know, it was almost the ex-girlfriend kind of thing. You yeah. know, you have the new that you're not done with. But, you, you know, you keep telling your current girlfriend, man, my ex was the best. She would always do this. And she always took me to the best dinners. And, you know, we almost got married. We won a championship together. And, yeah. but now I'm with you and and this is great, right? Yeah. This is, this is good. This is really nice. Um, yeah. And look, he's performing, you know, that's the thing is he's that's hitting 304, 388, 488. But as we know, so much of this goes into just what's going on in terms of winning and going all the way. It's about clubhouse chemistry and things like that. And I feel like this was Kershaw's a vet, right? And he's a captain and he's, he's a hall of famer. And he is a guy that tends to steer very clear of controversy. And this was not a, you know, public roasting by Kershaw, Mm -hmm. but I think that there was a plan here. Like there was a, a, a sentiment that he wanted to get out there, which was, I think he wanted to make it clear. Like, Hey, Freddie, come on. Let's go. And I think, you know, for him, the way to do it was publicly. I think they've tried it internally. Now he wanted to get this conversation, get people like you and I 
talking about this a little bit and say, come on, Freddie, like snap out of it. You're playing baseball. The Dodgers are paying you a lot of money. Like let's fully be invested in what's going on with the Dodgers. It's just amazing that you would never know because he's performing. Like we said, the Dodgers overall are playing well, but for Kershaw to say that there's gotta be something going on behind closed doors. And it seems like Freddie's just not all the way there yet. He's not over his ex. Exactly. And one of our writers on JustBaseball.com, Dustin Demeter, who's writing about the Dodgers, he just wrote a great article on Gavin Stone, who is a prospect in the Dodgers system that can make an impact even this year. He even made a great point. When Clayton Kershaw sends that message, it means a little bit more. It wasn't Cody Bellinger in some interview, just kind of mouthing like off. Let it something. slip. Yeah. It was Clayton Kershaw sending a message and it's Clayton Kershaw of all people. He said it diplomatically and you can tell I would I would bet a lot of money on him thinking this through before he said it. This wasn't Cody Bellinger just slipping like I hope he gets comfortable here. It was this was thought I think this was a thoughtful comment from uh, Clay, from Clayton Kershaw. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to do the Dodgers in, but it's definitely worth talking about because you'd think Freddie Freeman would be able to kind of shift his focus and, and you know, be able to. Have his teammates feel like he's all the way bought in and clearly they they feel like second fiddle. Uh, and that's pretty surprising. I, I'll be honest. And it could be something that develops into something worse or it could just be, you know what? He had the time in Atlanta. It was a big time for him. And then he gets settled in and the Dodgers ended up, you know, they make a big trade deadline move. And he's like, wait a minute, this team's kind of awesome. And then they could yeah. still go to the World Series because it's still the Los Angeles Dodgers. Exactly. And, 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 you know, you got to get your feet wet. He only knows what he knows. And like you talked about, he grew up as a man, 20 years old. He first gets, you know, his feet wet in Atlanta and then up to 31 years old is when he plays his final year there. Uh, you know, those are the very formative years of your adulthood and uh, it's a big adjustment for him, but I, you know, I think $180 million can make that a little bit easier. And uh, it's pretty interesting that his agent got fired too. And also what makes it easier is he is playing very well. It's not something that he comes over to Los Angeles and just stinks up the joint. He's doing yeah. better than his replacement, Matt Olson, is right now. So without yeah. further ado, let's talk to Darren Ravel. We welcome on Darren Ravel, a sports business analyst, an Emmy Award winner, and one of the youngest on-air hires that ESPN has ever had. He worked at CNBC and is now the senior executive producer at the Action Network. Darren, thank you for joining the Just Baseball Show. How are you doing? Peter, how are you? Doing amazing, doing amazing. And we met at a loop event and we had to just have you on because I was floored by your collection. I couldn't even really respond to you because you just kept kind pulling of, out pieces of history. Yeah, you kind of did have your mouth aghast a little bit. I mean, even when you were showing us some of these tickets at the beginning, we have no, how do you respond to some of these pieces of history? Um, and so I can't stop thinking about it. So but it wasn't just vintage baseball cards. And that's why I was so floored. It was tickets. So first question for you, you've transitioned kind of over to tickets. Talk to us about that instead of the vintage baseball cards. So for my whole life, I've been a niche guy, you know, uh, when fifth in fifth grade, when everyone was collecting stickers, even the guys at the time, not my fault. I'm just telling you what it is. I collected fuzzy armadillos and I had 750 of them <laughs> like a That's crazy. 
like a serial killer. I'd be like, how do you like my fuzzy armadillos? And the reason why is because I tried to own the entire population of fuzzy armadillos. And if you want to trade me for something, I don't know, but whatever. I've always been a niche guy. I've been a sports business journalist. I've always done kind of niche collecting. So I'm comfortable when there's less liquidity, right? Baseball cards. What did this sell for yesterday? Oh, I could turn it into cash for this today. I felt comfortable in markets where there's less liquidity, where there's fewer people collecting it, but also where I have an arbitrage situation. So three years ago, really, I found out that PSA was grading tickets. They, of course, grade cards. I said to myself, card companies come up with false scarcity. Tickets are really scarce because there has never been any place to hold them not in a binder. You'd have to put it on a bulletin board or be in a shoebox. And over time, there's attrition. And then I started learning about all these nuances like, okay, there's only 22 Bartman tickets. How could that be? It's the 2003 NLCS. Why wouldn't there be more? Well, because 99% of the people in Wrigley Field are Cubs fans, and they sure as hell do not want that curse of a ticket in their house. Gone. Probably 95% gone that night. Uh, The Jordan Elo shot, like, again, happens in Cleveland. Gone. So so it it was interesting for me. I loved the the all the nuances to it. And there was a lot of arbitrage, too, because card people didn't find it comfortable to get into tickets initially because they were it was in the world of no comps. How do I know what to offer? And so for me. I had confidence that something was so great that even if it hadn't ever sold, I would come up with a price to get it. And I felt like it would be worth more tomorrow. How have you seen the market kind of change over the last couple of years? You talk about PSA starting to grade it. Of course, that probably had some sort of impact on the market overall. But uh, how have you seen the card market and I mean, sorry, ticket market in general kind of adapt over the last couple? Well, what's, what's interesting is then the card people got into it and there were several things that I did not account for. One, that people would actually care about the the exact condition of the ticket and people would pay five X for a PSA eight ticket versus a PSA five ticket. I didn't account for that. I was just trying to get the tickets. I thought some of these were so scarce. So I didn't get that. I also didn't account for the debut market. Right. So the card people came over and they said, wait, first day in uniform. That's the equivalent of the rookie card. That to me, and I didn't want to crap on the market because the market rose all of a sudden and my collection was certainly going up. And I think some of it was me talking about it so much, but I didn't want to dump on that. But for me, it's always been history and the moment like there is no rookie card. It's the moment. That's what makes tickets special. It harkens back to that moment instead of just a picture taken in a moment in time. So if you were to tell me that the most pristine Hank Aaron 715 ticket sold for uh, signed, sold for $15,000 and the most pristine Hank Aaron debut in which he went 0 for four in a stupid game goes for $85,000. To me, that doesn't make sense, but it's, it's, it's interesting. So those were the two things that when the card people got into it and they checked the populations and they, they got into condition and they got into debuts. 
And, and we're talking with Darren Ravel of the Action Network. And we're, of course, we're going to talk about the gambling market um, as he's a pro in it. But you've got to take us down memory lane at least a little bit. Some of the tickets that you have on hand. Just I'm just opening you up for stories because that's what I was doing at the Loop event. I just I just couldn't stop talking about it. We got we uh, you know, I don't have the best of my collection in my house at all times, obviously. But I have anything that was kind of recent with an anniversary is recently the 45th anniversary of Elvis's last performance. Um, I think there are maybe 10 total stubs and mine. I, I really wanted the full Elvis on there. So that's the full. Elvis, his last performance. Wow. And for people did. watching on YouTube, I mean, look at that ticket. That's yeah. the Elvis ticket. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, it's a PSA two and, um, it was market square arena in, in, uh, Indianapolis. Now this is kind of the, the nuances. So this is, uh, a Met, for a ticket to a Mets game, uh, field level box. Uh, it is July 13th, 1977. And the slab will tell you that it's the day the blackout happened. Now, the blackout in New York City in 1977 is important because it is b- believed to be the, the birth of hip hop. The fact that you have something that a crossover like this, um, again, what's the value of it? It's the value of me telling the story to you and tell you, telling you that I own it. Um, space to me is uh, is something that with Bezos and Branson and 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 Musk into it, um, it's assured to be a great collectible. Um, there are eight launch passes to see Apollo 11 being launched into the moon. I've had six of them. Um, I sold a couple of them, but I I still have I still have four. You know, and they're just they're, you know the launch to it's just an it's just an unbelievable. It's unbelievable that, you know, you, you looked up and this was the launch to the moon. Um, so that's that's a good one. I, I've saved all my my passes, my media passes over the years, and I've recently gotten them slabbed, you know, obviously not for sale. But this is the LeBron draft. Oh, uh, that is super cool. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you, you, you have that. And um, so we, we, got, we got that. I'm trying to think about, uh, you know, and then the other thing is so like, for example, um, I figure out other things that happened in a game when something's selling for not a lot of money. So game two of the 19, I'll give this secret away. Let's see if people who pounce on it on eBay first, (laughs) maybe you guys do. Uh, Game two of the 1972 world series is what is Jackie Robinson's last public appearance. So nine days later, he died. So I bought a slew of those and got him graded as Jackie Robinson's last public appearance. They, they're about 50 bucks each. They should be like 200, 250 easy. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, this is a good one. This is a press pass to the 1962 MLB All-Star Game, J- JFK. That looks like a baggage ticket. I know JFK, JFK throughout the first pitch. Wow. Um, so that, that's a history. That's, so that's, what, what would you evaluate or what would you take a guess? Cause you know, we talk about just the value of, of certain markets and um, what would you say that the, the ticket market at this point uh, could be? I think the ticket, the, I think the ticket market's probably around a hundred million. Uh, where do you think it could be in the next five? Oh, I, 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 I think he could get to a billion dollars um, in the next in the next five to eight years. I mean, unfortunately, we don't have tickets, physical tickets coming out now. Um, but, I, you know, 
again, I think just like Peter, it, you know, and I don't know if you are, um, get it in the same way, but like you get it, like, it's like, holy crap, these are pieces of history. Um, I think it, you know, when at the national, when there's so many people with modern basketball and then all of a sudden you see my display of tickets, people stop, um, you know, and I haven't sold much against this. Uh, I've sold less, way less than 1% of my collection. I'm still very, very, uh, boffo about this market. This is, this is uh 25 years ago today, the Tyson Holyfield ticket. I it's saw you coolest shit out, ever, <laughs> which is and it, and absolutely awesome. Signed by Tyson. Yeah. So. Okay. And, and Darren similar. So when we talked to Bob Costas, I had to ask him sort of a trivial question because I just had to know like, who is his favorite player of all time? Just something simple like that. So when I'm talking to Darren Ravel, I have to ask you, what is one piece from your collection? That if you had to sell everything else, this is a terrible hypothetical because it would never happen. But if you had to keep one piece from your collection, what is it? The first day at Disneyland. <laughs> he had it ready to go. He's going uh, up the first. Yeah, July, the first or is it July 17th, 1955? Yes. And on the back, it has it's my birthday. Minus the five part. Yeah, July 17th, wow. 97. That's a little awesome. bit after. That is, is that the whole map of Disneyland? It's the map of Disneyland and the route that the ABC TV was going to show. Wow. You have to you have to tell us why the Disneyland piece. I mean, I just think it's so mind blowing. First of all, it's pristine. Yeah, that thing is. It comes from the uh, collect the estate of Hamilton Lusk, who is Walt Disney's chief cartoonist. So, it's (laughs) like you know, it's just so ridiculous. You know, I, I, that that's just one of them. I, I think, you know, there, there, there's there's a bunch that I love um, and, and, and it gets sometimes it just sometimes it gets it's just it's funny. You know, uh, let's see which I'm trying. I just I love have, he's just going through his cabinet, taking out pieces of history right now. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is I mean, the like, unbelievable part. Like, obviously, I use my access. So this is the this was after uh before arm was born so this is the kerry strug vault from the 96 olympics when she oh. landed she landed on one leg you know and so i got i used my uh context to get kerry to sign that um, yeah i mean they're all good listen one ticket that's more available than i ever thought is disco demolition night for some reason, a lot of tickets were kept from that night. Uh, oh, maybe because it w- everyone knew that that was going to be remembered for a little I, bit. I, 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 I guess. I mean that 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 was a that was a crazy situation. I just got this one recently. This is the night that Osama bin Laden died. It got killed, and I'm going to have it signed at the National by Robert O'Neill, the guy who killed him. So when. Arm and I, for anyone watching on YouTube, our mouths are just wide open. I, it's so, it's unbelievable. Okay, how do you get in touch with the guy who pulled yeah, Osama bin Laden? He, he's out there. He's on like a major autograph tour. Like it's, it's, like, <laughs> no, I swear to God, it seems like, it seems like it would be against policy or something like that. But, but he is out there. He's, he's signed at the national, you know, some of the things about is it t- the national. Yeah. Some of the people that things about tickets is like, sometimes the ticket is so bad, but if it was there, it was there. Um, this is the famous F Bucky Dent game. Uh, the Yankees wow. uh, uh, Red Sox, you know, um, one of the things that I also didn't account for is people love um, uh, full tickets 
And I think that's that's the card person in them. Full tickets are important. The issue for full tickets for me, like so Secretariat winning the Belmont, I own one of two tickets and uh, it was the most amazing that that's the place I would have. That's just such a low key drop. I I own one of the tickets. (laughs) I would have wanted to be at that event. And the fact that mine is ripped off in the corner and the person went to see it with their own two eyes is much more important than if that was full. Yeah. So that's another part of the market. I mean, there's just great intricacies in the market. Um, And a question for for you, because I know you talk about identifying niche markets and and you like to find areas where, you know, maybe you're beating the crowd. I'm in a lot more. I mean, I'm in video. I was in video games. I sold out into that. I'm, 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 I've made a significant investment in VHS and my last niche market. And you guys won't understand this because this is really the 40 to 50 year old market is a sealed 84 to 86 WWF wrestlers. Really? Yeah. Is, is there anything that you look at now and you say, this is, this is the next thing that could really, you know, explode. I'll tell you after I buy $50,000 worth of it. That's fair. That's uh, very fair. Uh, <laughs> No, I listen. I mean, I focus on tickets. Um, uh, I, I, I actually do. I'll give you one. I do think that that drawings, um, sketches are going to explode because they're being put in PSA slabs. Now, anything that you can put in a slab, uh, I think PSA is kind of given value. to. So the Charles Schultz peanuts, uh, uh, cartoons or an early Walt Disney stuff. This is not cheap. It's very hard to buy in, but I think it will multiple X over the next couple of years. I did try to go into business cards. I do have Bill Gates's first business card. They never thought of that. That makes sense. The problem is that they're very easy to copy and the authenticity is hard. And so you have to think about that. I did delve into sealed uh, iPhone ones. That that was something I looked into. Um, so, I was looking into that. So I was uh, so I met with some guys from Apple and I said, tell me what is an authentic seal for the iPhone one Apple lifers. There were a couple choices and they said they couldn't tell me. And so I said I was out. Huh. So they weren't able to like authenticate. Uh, they weren't able to tell me kind of like what was the which way the seal was, if these two were acceptable or not. And at fifteen thousand dollars, there's obviously going to be sealing fraud that happens. And so I, I, I then determined, OK, I can't go into this market. And so switching over to the betting side, because, um, you know, I'm a huge gambler and I've been betting on sports now since I was 19, but I'm 24 now. So I'm kind of naive. I've only been in the game for five years since computers were really a thing. And now we have such strong analytics and such strong lines that I feel like the numbers are already in there before they even happen. But, you know, go back around 20 years or so. There's some people I talked to, you know, people who play the ponies, people who've been betting on baseball for a long time now that maybe the lines weren't as sharp then because you have a person putting the numbers in by hand well, rather people, than people these- used to, Peter, people used to fly around the country to get a better line. I That's mean- what I'm saying. So <laughs> yeah. can you, can you kind of speak to the difference in lines? Like, do you think, I know this might be just a general question, but do you think it's harder to gamble right now? Like, do you think that these lines are so much sharper and could you won a lot more money 20 years ago compared to now? Or do you a think of, a, lot, a lot of this with the algorithms, you know, every day, the lines are sharper. They get games loaded into them. 
So the question is, how do you get sharper? And that is, you know, I, I, I line shop. There are a lot, there, there are massive gaps sometimes, especially live betting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I am a psychoanalyst type guy. Like if the TV, if, and if, if the TV commentary says something, I'll go the other way. You know, so I think, again, this is kind of a niche thing. One of the things I specialize, I I would tell everyone that just like you don't specialize in every sport, you should specialize on in one thing in gambling. What are you good at? So what I'm good at is live unders. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's That's great. So explain why live unders and when did you realize you're good at live unders? Well, so first of all, in the algorithm, the algorithm puts in the expected better psychology and more people go with the overs because it's more fun. Mm-hmm. I have trained myself to, 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 to hope for no runs and for games to be boring. My, <laughs> my kids know this. They say, ah, daddy's rooting for a horrible game again, right? <laughs> because I am. And, <laughs> and so, so if you think every day the computer model gets smarter, what is it assuming? And it is assuming, and this is a very small edge, but it's assuming that the better wants to have fun and what, let's get some runs here. Um, so I, my, my specialty is, is to try to do unders. Now, another thing I do is to beat the algorithm. You do not have to live. You do not have to accept what is in there. So let's say it's, it's Yankees, um, Astros and the lie and it's three, nothing Astros and, uh, the live under is five and a half and it's the sixth inning. I usually do not take a total at that point that, that the book is offering. I see if I can get an alternate total that could give me six and a half or seven. Obviously it will be like minus 200 odds, but I'll have a so much better chance of winning. So I'm, I'm paying more for, so what I would also say as a piece of advice is there's now all these all totals. Don't be scared to go back a little bit more and be a little bit more comfortable. Okay. And to that point too, cause I was even reading on the action network that your best bet, you won $68,000 off a $1,500 bet on Northwestern, but then you actually cash it out. Do you find yourself doing that all the time? Because, you know, the typical thing in the gambling space is, oh, you can never cash out. You can never cash out. That's the only time I ever cashed out because, you know, I mean, it was just, I I had the year before Northwestern was like three and eight, uh, three and nine. And uh, they got two. the transfer portal was just starting and they got two transfers in positions that they needed help who were good. And I didn't think that they were accounting for it. So it was 1500 to win 238,000 strung it all the way to the big 10 championship game. It was for them to win the big 10 championship. Uh, they were up like 10, seven at the half. They offered me like 71,000. I said, no, my wife is screaming in the background. You effing idiot. <laughs> And, and I'm like, well, they get the kick in the second half. So like, can we just wait? She's like, yeah, they can fumble the ball. And they went, went all the way down. There was an interception by Ohio state. They gave, offered me 68,000. And then this is the sign of a true better Then on a total non-play. Like it was not like Ohio state scored the touch. And I, it said on my Twitter feed, uh, Greg Newsom, lower body injury will not play the second half. 
And Greg Newsom's the cornerback. If you watch the NFL, he was the rookie cornerback who had an incredible year for the Browns. He's a shutdown corner. Northwestern doesn't go too deep. So knowing that, I was like, all right, I'm out because he's out. The guy behind him is not going to be able to take Ohio State. And so I got out of 68,000 and then Ohio State rolled. So that was the best bet. What was the bet that got Darren Ravel hooked? The hooked as in like the worst bet? No, no, just the bet that got you started because I even remember the bet that got me started and would really loving was I mean, game. Just the fact that I was in, you know, for uh, I had to be careful because I could, you know, because I'm a E-list celebrity, uh, I had to I, I had to make sure that I wasn't like getting in trouble with bookies and stuff like that. So I really I covered sports betting since 2002, but I really wasn't betting until really in like 2018. New Jersey gets it first. I think that was the watershed moment for me. And I realized I was going to want to go into the business of reporting on gambling. So I realized I had to be a gambler as well. Okay. So that makes sense. Cause I was saying my bet that kind of got me hooked was game seven of the world series. And you know, I had the Chicago Cubs money line oh, incredible man. game. I mean, that was, was that was just an unbelievable bet. And you that just made me, through a rain delay too. I mean, it was just the most unbelievable game of all time. And the Chicago Cubs ended up winning and, and, and breaking the streak. So I, I was wondering I, if there I was a, a story good. for you. Yeah, I'm, I made a good reporting decision there. Uh, I did not go to Cleveland. I stayed in Wrigleyville to watch it with the fans, and I got some awesome. incredible video. So speaking to Wrigleyville and, and Wrigley Field in general, uh, you guys put out on the Action Network, there was a tweet today about kind of like the renderings of the sports book, the DraftKings sports book that will be there presumably in 2023. And, and this is something that we knew was coming, but – not until I really saw the renderings that it really uh, set in. And I, it made me even more excited to talk to you because this is, we know how baseball is, right? I mean, we saw, you know, how just anti-betting the sport has been for so long. And, and now we're seeing how much money that's pumping into baseball. And now one of the most historic stadiums uh, in sports is going to have a sports book in it. Can you talk a little bit about just what this means for betting and baseball in tandem in the future and, and how much you think that's going to integrate into the sport as we continue to move forward? So Rob Manfred, when he finally, and all the commissioners were against betting, but Rob Manfred, when he finally uh, uh, decided to, I mean, once it was legal and they decided to do the sponsorship, uh, I think it was with Caesars that they opened it up with. Um, you know, he said this will help make our game seem faster. And at first I was like, okay, that makes a little bit of sense. But then I realized that it's a little bit of fool's gold because people are not micro betting on each pitch. Yeah. You know, I, it's so funny. The, uh, the no run first inning uh, bet. Perhaps. How hilarious that is. I mean, over the past over the past, this season, especially it has been on fire. And so, so when you have the proportion of, of people who are betting on no run first inning and the first five innings, you know, I don't know if that helps the complete game. It's like fantasy football kind of dismantling, like the genuine, you know, love for the NFL. I guess people watch anyway, anyway, but like no run first inning has completely taken over, um, and, you know, we, we have a guy at the Action Network who just does that. Um, so so I'm not sure if this is going to save baseball, but, uh, you know, there's there's definitely more action on it. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see what what happens and the integration. I mean, integration into broadcasts is the next big thing. Let's see 
how that happens. Absolutely. And, and I'm just thinking about, because I, you know, I, I bet on baseball every day and um, our big thing on TikTok, of course, has been the MLB best bets. And we felt that, you know, we get people into gambling and then they end up watching the games and they realize, man, this sport is kind of awesome. It's kind of awesome. And that's a lot of the feedback that we've gotten too. So at least on our side, it almost does seem like it's at least working with people of my age, but then another thing that people my age are very interested in is NFTs and NFTs have also taken the world by storm. Of course, crypto is crashing now and people are having second thoughts about NFTs. Are you having second thoughts about NFTs and the future of them in sports? I mean, I like the idea of a smart contract, the blockchain, like the idea that it can connect you love the idea of tickets as NFTs where you could say, okay, I scanned in, I've been to this game. And then when I, when I leave uh, automatically a highlight goes in my wallet and I can collect the games that I've been, maybe I can even sell them. I like that idea. I think once it got into like the collecting of like none of the people, so many people who got into NFTs didn't collect art, but all of a sudden they're collecting digital art. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I think it, it, it became all about money. And then when, when, when I would crap on NFTs, people would be like, well, you have physical tickets. I'm like, I'm not dumb enough to, to totally like ruin myself over, over what I've collected. Um, but I did own digital horses uh, for for 41 days, uh, bought $93,000 worth of digital horses. At <laughs> and um, I was walking around with my ear pods and I was closing doors. And my wife said, are you cheating on me? And I was like, no, why do you think that? She goes, you never have pods in your ears. What are you talking about? I'm like, she's like, you're closing doors. And I'm like, right then and there, I'm like, okay, this is a serious allegation. So I'm like, I bought $93,000 in digital horses. She's like, sell them now. I'm like, well, they're, they're, they're going to be worth more and more. And she's like, no, sell them now or I'll divorce you. And um, so I sold them. I made about a hundred thousand dollar profit. And then like two months later, uh, I go, what do you think those horses are worth? She's like, you're going to say a million dollars. And I'm like, no, 2.7 million. And she's like, whatever. Like, but it was, it was, but it was, it was, it was temporary, but I like the utility of it. I think there's a place for it, but you know, it's always going to be tied to crypto and I don't really believe in crypto. So even with investing in it, uh, you don't necessarily believe in it, or was it the the investment that kind of you? No, I invested in it. I mean, I invested in it because I wanted to be vested in it. I wanted to. I wanted to see. I threw a ton of money into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like whether it's a false sense of control or not, I feel like I control my investments a little bit more. And I was just baffled by like going to sleep and then all of a sudden being down $18,000. I mean, like at least the market closes, like going to sleep. I, I mean, Jesus. Uh, and people are like, Oh, that's on paper. I'm like, Nope. Paper is, is real for me. So I was, I was uncomfortable. Also my gambling experience suggested you never buy the dip. You don't buy the dip. If, if I have an under and I'm about to lose it, I don't say, Ooh, the odds are better if I throw in more money. So I'm going to throw in more money. That's what the buying of the dip is. The best yeah. betters, the best betters know when they lost and they move that's on nice. and that's how they make money. And so if you're buying the dip, that's totally against everything I know as a live better. 
That's absolutely true. I mean, I, I, I say it all the time. Don't chase your losses. No. I mean, don't chase your losses. And, but I do have to ask you too, not the worst investment you ever made in terms of a dollar amount, but was there just an investment that you think about now still to this day where you think to yourself, why in the world did I do that? Cause I do that all the time with some bets and some investments I have. Well, the biggest learning experience for me, I still made money, but I, I miscalculated. So a lot, some of my investment thesis is based on anniversaries. So I bought the, uh, a New York times signed by the three moon men, the Apollo 11 New York times on the 49th anniversary, hoping to flip it for the 50th. Hmm. Um, and it was like $27,000, really expensive newspaper. And, um, I had a plan and at the end of the day, I got greedy. And instead of going to Christie's, which had this great auction the week of the moon landing, and they got crazy prices. I'm like, I don't want to give 15% to Christie's. I tried to do it myself and I didn't hit the anniversary. And it was like a week and a half later and the prices were down like 60%. So I didn't lose, but I, I, I did lose in the fact that I made a mistake thinking that I could sell this myself. And so, you know, I think that's just been a general business thing for me, you know, a hundred percent of zero is zero. Uh, if, if, if you can get a bigger number and give away to, to other people, then go do it. And so that's kind of been a, that's been more than a collecting lesson for me. It's kind of been a life lesson. Circling back to the, the sports book and baseball thing. One last question I wanted to ask you there. Uh, and probably the last one for me is just, Seeing that we're we're seeing the sports book in Wrigley, we're seeing the Nationals, you know, with BetMGM. Do you think that it's feasible within the next decade that every single team in baseball will have some sort of betting component in their stadium or adjacent to it uh, by yeah within the next decade? I mean, it's interesting betting inside the stadium. It depends on how much of a better you are. I mean, I think what's keeping people away from disconnecting if they are a big better is live betting. I mean, if you're 15 to 45 seconds behind on sling or some other streaming service, you're going to lose your money. Mm -hmm. um, so being at the game provides something that's, that's, that's better. Of course, the problem is that people don't want to bet just on one game. Um, you know, we, we, we had all these uh, ideas that these stadiums are going to be filled with kiosks. And then just like in, in, in Great Britain, but the thing is that, kiosks are one-offs and they don't tell you who you are. You just go in and, you know, that's not good for sports gambling. So what these guys have done is they've made these lounges that get you to download the app and then you have it when you're home. And that's really what increases the kiosks are, even though people are saying, where are they? They're really not going to be around. They're not revenue generators. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, right now they're essentially sports bars that, get people to download their app. That's what it is. And it's not like, uh, you know, ticket takers and all these other things. So I think it's just interesting that it's not what our pre preconceived notion of what it totally. was going to be. Well, thank you so much, Darren, for joining us. I will always remember you opening up that bag and just taking out piece of history after piece of history after piece of history. And then my mouth was like dropped to the floor. So thank you so much. But should we, again, should we end, should we end on, on a, a, a couple that I have here. Should we end? Well, I mean, we could keep going for hours. I well, mean, we I've not seen some of this stuff. So 
Farm, uh, seriously, it, it's just it's incredible. I'm in, I, it's I, just, I'm in to see any of this stuff. I all right, this, well, this will get you. This will get you. This is a full of the George Brett Pine Tar game. No that way. Was, that was one of my favorites. You should. That's so that. cool. Would, and then when you can get that signed by George Brett, I don't know if I want it to get it signed because it's like perfect. It just looks perfect. And then on the back, which is also the cool part about tickets. It's got the Michelob ad, which is so 1983. It hurts, you know. That's so that, awesome. That's the other thing. Like you, you're you're getting ads on the back of these things that are reminiscent of the time. All right, one more. Great. What's amazing is that's the most unassuming game ever, and that's the cool thing. Is you go to a ball game, you don't know, you know, what kind of history you're going to see, and most people probably discarded their ticket there because after that whole. George Brett Pintar thing. There's no way they're like, Oh, this will be remembered forever. Exactly. And yet it was. Yeah. So this is one I need to get graded. I already have one, but I'm, Oh, let's go. I love it. I, I grew up a fan of the U obviously okay, so I went to Syracuse, the, but my mom went to the U. So I love that. What it, okay, so this is the Doug Flutie hail Mary. I knew it. I knew so, it was but what's, what's great about it is <clears throat> if you look, do you see that the X's that Saturday, November 24th, there have had it's been X'd out. Yeah. And, and it says Friday, November 23rd. So what happened is in between printing the tickets and sending them to people, they're like, oh my God, we're changing this game to Friday. Yes, people read newspapers, but we don't want people showing up on Saturday. So some poor person in the Miami Athletic Department office had to with 50,000 tickets had to X out the 24th and type the 23rd. So oh they'll grow on gosh. all the tickets. Also Eastern airlines, Miami's hometown airline, a very defunct airline. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I've never flown Eastern, so yeah. I can't say yeah. they're uh, Miami's so airline. Anyway, 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 yeah, it's continually fun. Um, I am always looking to acquire crazy pieces that Peter Appel will be like, no, way. <laughs> hey, you keep coming on the Just Baseball Show and you keep showing us, I'm going to keep giving you the same reaction because it's a genuine reaction because it's just incredible. And I just appreciate this history. You know, we were able to interview Joe Posnanski and he was one of my favorite interviews ever. I just love history, especially in sports. And for you to be able to come on and give this to us, really appreciate the time, Darren. Thanks so much for coming on. You got it, guys. Great show. Thank you, Darren. The collection that Darren has blows my mind. And I want to keep talking about this too, because when I saw him at the loop event, I mean, that was my first time meeting him and he had this enormous bag, right? He says to me, look, just what's in the bag for a second. I'm, I'm floored. He starts bringing out piece of history after piece of history. And I just, I couldn't respond to him. And the bag itself is like a $2 million bag worth of stuff. It's unbelievable the stories he can tell based off of it, because it's not just the physical ticket in hand. It's the piece of history that gets me. I'm a big history buff. I love baseball history. And that shit just blows me away. And it was so great to see your reaction too, because you really got me into the hobby now and to see your mouth also just, we had nothing to say at some points. It was just, Oh my dear Lord. And you can tell what's really cool is, is Darren. It's not just, uh, you know, obviously he's very smart when it comes to investments and he's looking for areas where he can, you know, profit. But at the same time, he just, you can tell, just loves the hobby loves of whatever it. it is. And like, he knows the backstory on every card or every ticket he has, because that's what makes it fun for him is 
telling the story behind the ticket and seeing people like you and I react, which is super cool. And uh, I mean, that guy must have so many stories stowed away in that head of his because he's got so many tickets and uh, has the story for all of them. And I really do think the ticket market is something that's going to be, you know, burgeoning and, and growing. And I also was very fascinated in his thoughts about, you know, sports books, not quite being what we thought they would be in these baseball yeah. stadiums. And I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, the kiosks were what they, we thought would be the, the option, but at the end of the day, it's true. It's all, all about, and you and I've learned that working with some of these companies, it's all about acquisition. They want you to download their freaking app and using a kiosk doesn't get you to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see how betting continues to roll out in baseball, but this is a guy that knows his stuff in the sports business world. And it was really cool to pick his brain. When he said that live unders were one of his favorite bets, I mean, you and I just burst out laughing because not only is that just hilarious to say a live under, but it's also really damn smart. You know, it he is. said it himself that everybody wants to be on the over. It's more fun. And I, I even, play it myself. To, and to we were even unders. saying pre-record, like I'm all over unders because in my opinion, I think it's fun to watch a pitcher. So, but I'm just weird. And a lot of people aren't like that. They want to see runs and I fall into it too. Of course I fall into it more than other sports like in the NFL, in the NBA, you know, that's when I root for it. But I, I'm just such more of a baseball person. But I mean, he's shown us, I mean, he's just live betting under hockey games. It was awesome. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I mean, that's a guy that knows a little bit about everything or maybe a lot about a lot of things, but uh, it, it's cool always picking people like that and, and just kind of getting what, you know, how their mind works and how they tick. And uh, he's definitely dabbled in a lot of different things, but uh, it, it's cool from your end too, because you're always looking for those little angles and those, uh, you know, just ways to be, I love the word sharp, right? Just the, the sharp angles in betting. And there's another guy who seems to fa- find one of his, which is live betting unders, um, which is unreal. It's unreal. So another thing that I felt was unreal transition, nice one by me. Um, the suspensions came out for this angels Mariners brawl. And I made a TikTok on it because I was genuinely confused and I want to pick your brain about it because you probably have a different point of view than me. But I, you know, when I watched the brawl happen in real time, and then I went and watched the John boy video too, which he did a great job breaking it down. He always does a great always job breaking go those down. I the goat at that. And stuff. what I came away from it thinking this was the angel's fault. This was the angel's fault. I mean, I don't want to completely take all the juice from that, from that video. You should go check it out on John boys, YouTube, but Justin Upton was hit in the head by Michael Lorenzen about nine days before. Then the Mariners threw it. Mike Trout didn't actually end up hitting him. And then the angels went ahead. And the reason why Phil Nevin leads all of the suspensions is because he told his pitcher to go hit some guys. He threw it Julio Rodriguez. Then he threw it Jesse Winker and Jesse Winker is talking to the umpires like, what's going on? Why am I getting hit after then Julio was thrown out? Like, what's going on? And then from the other dugout, the Angels dugout, they're calling him out. I know they are. There's no way that he just looks over and says, you know, what'd you say? Like, say it again, because they're calling him out. And, you know, J.P. Crawford got suspension. But then again, J.P. Crawford was just defending his teammates. Yeah, he throws some haymakers. Yeah, but yeah. what would you do if you were in that situation? And then of all of them, Jesse Winker got the biggest suspension out of every player. And wow. that didn't make sense to me when you have the Angels who threw at him and it's now his fault for instigating it. Did the did the did the him flipping off the fans certainly not help that situation? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I understand but I don't understand the biggest suspension out of all of them. So two things I want to go with, start with Phil Nevin. Cause I love that you made a good distinguishment. 
Yes. Wanker, biggest player. suspension for a player. Yes. Fuck Phil Nevin. Fuck for, Phil for, Nevin. For, what, yeah, what the hell was that? So I'm sorry, but for him to put in a pitcher, let's be honest. And MLB concluded that this was very much um, what they felt like he did to bring in Andrew Wentz to just literally being a guy. Like that's why they brought, that's why he started the game. Literally. Like they, he's they an opener. That the guy's never made a start in his big league career ever. And it's just a coincidence that when he does make his start here, that, that he decides to be in somebody like it, it like this was the plan, the right? Let's start somebody that we know we don't need and use him as a quote unquote opener and have him drill somebody, get ejected, have another guy ready. Phil Nevin is the instigator in all of this. And and that's the wild thing is an interim manager is the instigator in all this. And this is a team whose season is slipping away from them. And you're getting caught up in, you know, this kind of stuff. I don't think that the, that the pitch up and into trout was intentional. I really don't. And I, I think for Phil Nevin to, to, of course it's scary. And you want to tell teams and send a message not to go up and in twice on trout. in a row. I think it was that, twice I, in a row what happened. But again, his quote was you have to attack trout up. We know that's been the that's thing. Literally the trout scouting is the report. best low ball hitter maybe of all time. And he crushes everything that's off speed. Anyway, the only way to beat him is up and in. That's the way to beat him. So I really don't think there. it was intentional. And so Phil Nevin deserves 10. Phil yes, Nevin. Agreed. And, and that could be the rest of his interim manager career. I have no idea. But Jesse Winker, do you think if he doesn't flip the fans off and he gets five instead, would five be egregious? That's the challenge. Is, is he literally, he went double birds. He went double birds. You can't go double birds. That's to a, the fans. That's a fair point. He did apologize, by the way. He did he, apologize. He, did say, he said, I'm only going to apologize for one thing. It's for flipping off the fans. I was angry. But double birds, that's got to get you two games, right? So if he gets five games, are we saying Winker's suspension was was overdone, you know? I guess you might be right there. But this still, for example, I don't think – so the the couple of the people who got five-game suspensions was J.P. Crawford, who threw those haymakers after they went after Winker. He was defending his teammate. Also didn't agree that he should get five. And maybe that's just my opinion, just – you know, when you're in a baseball brawl, like you're just defending your teammates. It's not it's not as much as they think it is. Anthony Rendon, who actually made the first move at Winker, who slapped him in the face. I think it's pretty I think it would be pretty OK if Anthony Rendon out of all players, you're an injured guy and you know, it doesn't matter if you get suspended. What you're not playing for the rest Nothing of the season that he made the first move. He was the one who hit Jesse Winker in the face in the and face. Then Jesse Winker retaliated. I mean, Jesse Winker, of course, was like mad and he came up and stepped to him, but he didn't make the first move. And then when you're in a fight, of course, you're going to be in a fight. So I actually think it should have been Anthony Rendon getting the biggest suspension, him getting seven and then even with flipping off the birds give winker five but not yeah. the most and i think it's it's not even about the number of games it's just the sending of the message that the guy who got hit and then uh, first of all the second third time around then doesn't actually throw a punch until he's attacked the then yeah. he's the guy who has to get the biggest that's what doesn't make sense it, it is tough and Again, I, especially but from the, 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 the perspective that the angels literally instigated it um, in terms of like putting in a pitcher that you knew was going to get ejected. Like that's where it's, it's clear to me. And they missed Julio before I thought that ship would sail at that point. Nope. They had to go drill winker still anyway. So I, I, I don't know what Julio did, but I don't know. Maybe if, if John boys break anything had a little bit, didn't do anything really. 
it's just, it's ridiculous. I, I'm, I think Phil Nevin, 10 games is absolutely correct. Winker should have probably got five regardless. Yeah, of I can see five. I just didn't want him to be the one player who got the absolute most. It, it is an unfortunate, and it literally, I think it was only because the birds. But also I do think it's weird that Rendon's out there with a cast swing. Like, dude, you can't even stay healthy. Like, yeah. why are you out there scrapping? What are you so pissed about? Uh, and, there was and, a funny and, joke that that was the hardest he swung in the, yeah, but we all know that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's mean. And like, I wish him a speedy recovery, but man, like you're not helping yourself out there scrapping in a cast. And I, did he swing the cast or no? Did, did they get that in the back? No, no, I think it was, it Go wasn't ahead. like he punched. It was like, it was more like I shoved my hand in your face to like get, not get him with out the, of with like the non-cast hand or with the cast hand non-cast hand yeah okay that, that's good if you're swinging the cast you like you got hurt can you imagine if you got hurt <laughs> if you hurt the <laughs> other one he comes back double cast the next day and, and so Archie he gets Bradley, five games Archie Bradley broke his elbow and he fell out of the dugout I hope it wasn't from that yeah is that is that is that Archie Bradley injury from did they, have they said yet I don't know but Archie Bradley during that brawl is one of the great points of that John Boy video he falls out of the dugout like as they're charging and like falls on his arm oh shit. I'm not saying it was because of that. I really don't know. And we don't have the information but yet, but it's possible. Sounds possible. Fell off the dugout on your arm. Uh, could you imagine being Andrew Wentz? And it's like, Hey, you're getting the start today. And you're like, what, why? Like, Cause we want you to bean someone and get ejected. And he's like, sure. I'm in the big okay, leagues. I, <laughs> I would do it. Would right, you do coach. it? Oh would yeah. You? Yeah. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> but, but no, it's not hurting anybody. <laughs> yeah, they might be able to get out of the, they're going to be like, they're just going to move or you might catch it. He, the, the guy might just catch it. You might catch my 74 mile an hour fastball. I was uh, about to give you 77. I feel like you could, you could hit 80. Yeah. You could hit 80. It depends on the day. It, it yeah. depends what shoulder well, I sleep on. I'm a little creaky. These we're supposed, we're 24 years old. We're supposed to be in our athletic primes, but I mean, we're just getting fatter. I turned 25 in two weeks. I'm getting fatter. I might have to get a second shoulder surgery. Hip surgery is imminent. Um, I'm washed, man. I'm washed, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm washing shit too. But it's, it's, it's crazy. I know we got tweets at us after I said, I couldn't rebound the same way anymore. They're like, like I, I, some of our like awesome listeners are just like, screw you. Yeah. Like, I'm and 40 and it's like, very shut fair. up you 24 year old fuck. And I'm like, honestly, that's fair. It's, it's totally fair. And so with that, this is the just baseball show with Darren Ravel. And this is a great episode. Go check out some of the links in our episode description. What do we have in those links? Um, we have <laughs> chalkboard. Chalkboard, go check it out. Our episode like description. Join our baseball group chat. I mean, it's just so much fun sweating out bets and their arms talking about top one hundred prospects. He's you have any prospect questions? Shoot them over to arm in our chalkboard group chat as well as join our prize pick spaces on my Twitter every day around two thirty p.m. Eastern. We bring the entire baseball community together and we make the ultimate prize picks. It's MLB player props, and if you use code Just Baseball you get a full deposit match. So might as well use some free money to play along with us. And I always say, if you don't want to use your real money, go ahead and take it back out. Might as well just use the free money to play along with us. Yeah. That's similar to the loop. Might as well use your $20 to get some free baseball cards. And that's the good thing about it too. So anything else before we say goodbye? Um, no, I, I would just love to, to mention any Cardinals fans out there or just prospect fans in general. Alec Burleson was just on the call up. He was super awesome. He is leading AAA with a 343 batting average and 15 homers. Um, so he absolutely rakes really thoughtful, really cool conversation with him. So if you're into that kind of stuff, check out the call up. And if you're watching this on YouTube, that video where arm breaks down hitting with Alec Burleson is was- on our YouTube. So make sure that's your next video yeah. that you watch on our YouTube page. And with that, thank you, everybody.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.